if I happen to get sales as a natural byproduct of it, awesome. That's so great. But if I'm creating content specifically and only to generate sales, I've missed the entire heartbeat of the people that I'm here to impact with my life. And so it's like, a, I take it super seriously because I have seen firsthand how many people are like, I need help, Rachel, help, please. I just need your advice. And so when I take all those questions and I create content based on them. If I don't show up and this sounds really drastic, but it's actually not, it's actually very much so based on truth, especially this past year. If I don't show up, what if there's one person who is going to give up on their dreams? Welcome to the Viral by Design podcast with Dave Rothero, where we get inside the minds of today's leading viral marketers as they reveal the exact strategies they use to build brands, products, and campaigns that are magnetic to customers, spread like wildfire, and seize the attention of millions. This is Viral by Design. So welcome to another episode of Viral by Design. I'm extremely excited today to be joined by Rachel Peterson. Rachel is a social media strategist recognized by Content Marketing Institute as one of the most influential online marketers. She went from a college dropout, single mother on welfare to a successful and highly sought after social media strategist and educator. She's spoken on stages in front of thousands of entrepreneurs, not least of all Funnel Hacking Live. She's been featured on top publications such as Huffington Post, Cosmopolitan, The Daily Mail, and more as well as on top podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas. Rachel's journey began back in 2016 while working her nine to five, it was actually an eight to five day job. Uh, within six months, she replaced her income and built a clientele that she loved working with. She's the founder of Social Media United, which is a leading online university for those aspiring to become so successful social media managers and strategists. So Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Dave, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. So one thing which I really want to dig into first, I know that you're a big proponent of TikTok. And this is for many people still a like a kind of a is it going to work for business? Is it not going to work for business? So I'd love to hear a bit, a bit more about your story, like how you got into that and how you're using it now to actually procure clients and further your business endeavors. For sure. I'm super excited to talk about TikTok because it's still in its early frontiers. There's still the opportunity to become an early adopter on TikTok, which I think that that opportunity will be here for probably one, maybe two more years before it's, you know, everyone's on TikTok. So I got started on TikTok just over two years ago. And I was actually, this sounds so like super random, but I was on a, a private yacht trip to the Bahamas. Um, Russell Brunson invited a bunch of us on this private yacht trip where we were going to go and like mastermind on yachts in the Bahamas. Sounds so crazy and cool. It actually really was. It was really fun. Um, but on that trip, one of my friends, Annie Grace, she's the author of This Naked Mind. She said, you know, Rachel, I really think you should be on TikTok. And she started showing me kind of what TikTok was. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't really see how this works. Uh, it just looks like dancing and lip syncing to me. And she's like, yeah, but you're good at those things. And I was like, okay, you're right. So I'll do it. And I started just doing these, I'll be honest, very cringy uh, <laughs> TikToks of me lip syncing and dancing. You can actually still see them all. They're still all active on my profile on TikTok, but they're pretty embarrassing. And I just was having fun with the process. And one of the things that was so cool is 
when I got on TikTok, it was before anyone else was really making it happen. People are just now making it happen. Um, the only people I had really, yeah, people just really weren't talking about TikTok hardly at all. So I knew that for the first time I was going on a platform where I was going to be able to be a part of shaping the narrative of what it meant for businesses. And within about a week, a couple weeks, I put up a video and it was just once again, lip syncing and dancing to every parent's favorite song, Baby Shark, you know, Baby Shark. So I did that with my kids. So they start out and they're like, Baby Shark, doo doo. And I jump in and I'm like, Mommy Shark, doo doo. And it like got 9,000 views overnight. And I realized oh, we're on to something here because to get 9,000 views on almost any other platform, that's a lot of work, right? Like it takes years of building an audience for that to happen. At that point in time, I had 60 followers. So I continued to post, but then, you know, <laughs> I will say I endured a lot of razzing from a lot of other entrepreneurs and business professionals. Everyone was, I was like, how's the little TikTok thing going? And it was really challenging because I had to stay strong in my belief that this was a platform that could generate results. So I continued posting, continued posting. And then I finally created a post that was intentionally for adults over the age of 30. And I put it out there and it got 60,000 views in a week. And I knew, oh my gosh, we are on to something. And I started putting content out there, started using TikTok to generate leads, started going viral consistently, mini viral consistently. Um, today, I have almost 700,000 followers. Millions of people watch my videos per every single week, even sometimes having millions of views in a day which is crazy. Um, and it's led to so many opportunities. We, we still have yet to tally up our backend results, but we're at like um, uh, just over 400,000 in revenue generated directly from TikTok and companies like FabFitFun and American Express found me on TikTok. And I got to partner up with American Express and Square because they loved my TikTok videos. So it's led to a lot of really good things. <laughs> Well, that's crazy. You know, and it's interesting what you said about you got so much razzing off other business owners, but that's always the way it works, right? It's like back in the day, people were like, oh, what's, I remember I actually um, went to uni with, with a guy called Julian um, and he started working for this little social media company called Facebook. And we were like, what are you doing working for them? Like, come on, like a real, you need a real, like not necessarily a real career because we're all musicians, but um, yeah, this is just kind of a, like a fad social media platform. Sure enough, like he's moved out to California now and like works for them and gets like a beautiful, wow. yada, yada, yada. But it always seems to be the case, right? That these new platforms come along and nobody takes them seriously and then eventually they tip. So I'm interested to hear in that case, like from, from a platform that seems to be for, made for kids or that how it's how it seems from the outside maybe younger people not necessarily um you know the kind of place where business owners would, would hang out how are you taking that antenna into business and how are you targeting specifically the kind of people you're after or are you just casting yeah. the net very wide and hoping that you get some diamonds in the rough i love that question so here's one thing that's really interesting um tiktok it seems like it was created for young people but the truth is it was created for short attention spans, which is, hello, our entire world right now. So most people have initially, at least, very short attention spans, eight, nine, maybe 10 seconds. So videos that are less than 15 seconds are perfect. They're exactly what people are looking for right now. Um, one of the things, though, that I do want to point out is a sign of longevity for a platform is when it brings on people who are sub 21, especially sub 18. 
So for example, initially when Facebook and Instagram opened up to people under the age of 18, because you know, it started at first at a college platform. When they opened it up to people under the age of 18, they did something really right there. And that is what gave them longevity for years. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of platforms that fail to capture the attention of the next generation. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that TikTok has done well. So to me, that just says that a platform is going to be around for a while if it does capture the attention of younger people. And TikTok has done that. However, behind the scenes, there is about 850 million monthly active users on TikTok, Mm -hmm. excluding China. That is not including China. There are tons of people in China using TikTok, but outside of China, there's 850 uh, million. And this is so crazy. Between 26 and 31%, it fluctuates. Between 26 and 31% of those users are over the age of 30. That means there's somewhere between 100 and 200 million active users that are over the age of 30. So once I realized that, there were several things that I started doing. Number one, I started creating some content that's geared towards adults. But, and this is a huge thing, I noticed that stars, celebs, actors, singers who maybe already had passed their prime or had already had their hits off of the top charts, they started making an intentional effort to build with young kids and suddenly their their streams started skyrocketing. Their you know, movie streams started uh, growing. And so they realized that in order to be relevant for more than just five or 10 years, you really need to tap into the next generation. So I put out content both for adults, but also for the next generation, because I want to be around for 20, 30, 40 years. So I do both. That's really interesting. And, you know, it's definitely, you know, what you pointed out there, that the fact that these things filter up, right? And if you do capture that attention, not only do you have longevity, but eventually the adults catch on and they're like, okay, this isn't so bad. Like, um, yeah, we can get involved with this too. So what are your thoughts on on uh, Clubhouse in that case? Because uh-huh. Clubhouse seems to be like a much more of a direct to like very specific type of types of people, not necessarily, I assume, uh, maybe I'm completely wrong, but not necessarily uh, the kind of thing that kids would get involved in, right? Definitely not. It is That is one thing that could be a potential downfall is the fact that it is absolutely not something that kids are going to get used to, if that makes sense. I think about like radio and part of the reason that radio has worked for so long and still kind of works, but not as well as it did in the past is because kids were in the backseat listening to their parents, listening to the radio. And so kids were raised around the radio. It feels very normal to them. It feels normal to have music playing. It feels normal to hear a DJ. But I find that a lot of people are spending their work days on Clubhouse because they don't necessarily want it on while they're with the kids at night. And so kids aren't, kids have no idea what Clubhouse is uh, by and large. Okay, so this is interesting because I believe in giving every platform a shot. I'm always up for trying anything. I have a very particularly large bandwidth for taking on a lot of content creation. Probably, I I mean, I create every day more content than most people do in a week. And I know that. And that's me personally without a team supporting me in content creation. But when it came to Clubhouse, I tried it for about a week. And by the end of one week, I I was so burnt out. Mm. I was burnt out. I had information overload. It was very difficult for me to process. So I'm not going to say I don't think it's going to be a success because I think it will have some success, but I do not think it's the next big thing for so many different reasons. Um, Number one, it's very hard for uh, people who have like auditory processing issues. I am very visual. I don't do well 
paying attention when I'm just listening. It's very difficult. And I think there's a lot of people like that. Uh, number two, I also realized, and this is weird, the people with the most time seem to be the ones that are crushing it on this platform, which doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones that probably you want to take advice from. Oh, I can't yeah. believe I'm saying that. So <laughs> I'm like, right? I'm like, okay, so listen, if even Gary Vaynerchuk says, I don't have time for Clubhouse, I run businesses. Ooh, that's uh, that's a little bit, but I feel that. I'm like, Listen, there are some people who are giving legit advice, but how do these people have 10 hours a day to spend on Clubhouse giving advice? Um, that makes me a little uncomfortable. I also noticed there's a lot more introverts than extroverts in our world, in my belief. I think there's so many more introverts, people who are shy, people who are nervous or have stage fright. I am one of those rare people that is 100% extroverted, 100%. I don't mind a stage. Throw me in front of 5,000 people tomorrow and I'll give, a, I'll give a speech with no notes, no slides, nothing. That's not most people. Right. So I think it's set up to only reward people who are super extroverted, super outgoing, people who are very comfortable speaking to audiences. I'm saying all the negative things, which is interesting because I try to look for the positive in things and I'm open to that. I mean, I'm testing out Snapchat again. I'm going on a bunch of different platforms, Triller, and I'm trying YouTube shorts, but I just don't have a great feeling long-term about Clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I completely hear what what you um, what you're saying, and it's it's rare to hear somebody saying, "Hey, I'm not actually that sure," because predominantly it's bombarded. Yeah, there's the next big thing you got to be on there, yada yada yada. Even Mark Zuckerberg's on there. To, to be fair, probably just spying on the platform to try and copy himself. But um, it's it's definitely. I tried to get into it from. I remember over Christmas, like I I finally got the the coveted invite to actually get um, to actually get onto the platform. But yeah. then um, it's just so much time. Like we're, I mean, we're so busy. We're onboarding clients every single day. It's like I can't dedicate the time to it you know like you have to you have to actually give yourself some time to unwind eventually right like you've got your, your work time and then time to actually give your brain a, a bit of a rest so so yeah it's really interesting to, to hear your, your perspective on that um for sure and a slightly different perspective to what most other people are saying something interesting you touched on snapchat there a second ago and um you know what you what you were saying a few minutes ago about like appealing to a younger generation that would obviously put snapchat into that category too so what are your thoughts on that like is it still alive like is it got a pulse oh my gosh okay so i will say that i don't know yet um <laughs> which is interesting i had a call with snapchat corporate it might have been last week it was either last week or the week before and they were briefing me on all of the new features they were they want me on this platform so they like verified me and i was like oh this is cool young me would have thought this is so cool so i got verified and stuff and they were sharing with me all the reasons that they want me on this platform all the benefits and stuff like they're really working to win over people who could be influential. Now, that being said, I'm not easily swayed even if I'm verified on a platform. If I don't care for a platform, I'm not going to go there. So this week, we're starting to push out content to Snapchat, and I will let you know what I think after we go about it. But I do know this. Uh, I don't like leaving all of our ad spend in one basket. It's always made me nervous. So we're always testing different platforms for ad spend. Um, We have people that we're ready to tag team for YouTube ads, Pinterest ads. I've done TikTok ads. They're incredibly cost-effective. That being said, Snapchat ads are also very underpriced in a good way. Like they're low CPMs. Um, I'm super open to it though. So 
It's interesting. I will say there's a lot going on on the platform and being new to the platform, I have complete overwhelm. Just making a Bitmoji makes me feel a little bit old, um, but I'm literally going to have my 10 year old create one. I'm like, make a Bitmoji that looks like me. I'll pay you 20 bucks, you know, but at the same time, I'm open to trying it. And I feel more optimistic about the potential future of Snapchat than I do about the future of Clubhouse. Really? That's very yeah. interesting. That's controversial, but I love it. That's that's very super controversial. Yeah, yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so you touched on there as well about ad spend. So what's your balance like between organic? Obviously, you've got all this passive organic, and we, we all know that you know organic helps paid advertising. But what's your balance like? How do you manage that? And what do your ads look like? What kind of strategies are you using? Oh, okay. So this is really interesting. We used to spend 30 to 45,000 a month on Facebook ads, and we would see the return between one and three months down the road. And I learned that's a really dangerous game. (laughs) All it takes is like one bad cycle and it's, you're stuck with (laughs) some really not fun credit card debt. So the biggest thing that we learned was how do we, and focused on was how do we create funnels and strategies that are instantly or almost instantly profitable. And I say profitable for a reason. Break even isn't good enough for me anymore. I, it has to be profitable if we're going to take the time to create ads um, to it. So we used to spend 30 to 45K a month, just ourselves, not including our clients' ad spend. And um, today we spend somewhere between, I want to say eight and 10 a month, but our profits are decent. So this is just to our low ticket offers. We have this thing that we call the ATM funnel. And ATM could be considered like a cash machine. That's kind of the hidden meaning, but it it means at this moment, this funnel is converting very well. So those funnels spit out profit. So you get paid to build your list. And that's like one of the biggest things we implemented in 2020. And it took so much testing, so much trial and error, so much failure. And today we have three of these ATM funnels running and we're generating multiple six figures in profit per year without a moment of my time. That's awesome. That's so that's, that's been our big thing. And it's really cool. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really <laughs> obsessed with them. And I'm actually even as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh shoot, I should make a couple more of those. <laughs> but yeah, there's they're awesome. So that's where we focus our time and attention. It doesn't have to be Facebook ads. Um, I do try weird things with Facebook ads. I like to write weird copy, like I have right now on my list to write um a a cheesy pickup line ad. And I'm going to put that out there. I think it's going to do really well though. (laughs) So I like to do different things than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Right. Different gets noticed. Right. So of those, of the ATM funnels, is there something in particular that's working? But I assume it's a low ticket, like a book funnel or something like, like that. Is there something particularly that's working best? So the ATM funnel is specifically, um, we, we personally focus on bundles. It's a freebie. And the three B is the first step. So we lead with value on everything. And most of our sales in our business come from organic social, almost not a hundred percent. I would say probably, oh gosh, 90%, I want to say come from organic, which is only be only a testament to the fact that we've gotten really good at organic for ourselves, which is exciting. Um, But when we lose value, oh my gosh, magic happens. So we start with that 3B, that bundle. We have a specific formula that we follow for that. And then we have, it's kind of like a tripwire, like the dry and dice um, tripwire, but it has to instantly liquidate. And then we have a series of steps after that point that drive up the ACV so that it's profitable day one. 
which is, I think, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You're living the dream. Once you crack that code, it's like then obviously you're monetizing those people on the back end, right? So it's you're getting yep. people onto your list, you're getting paid to do it, and then monetize on the back end. That's incredible. So Facebook's your go-to platform then at the time being, it's still still Facebook for you. Well, you know, we could turn off our ads today and we would be totally fine. Yep. Like it wouldn't even affect us at all. So it it's our main advertising platform right now, but it you couldn't. <laughs> we could lose Facebook tomorrow and be totally fine because so much of our business is diversified across different organic channels. Yeah. Right. That's, a, that's super, super smart. So, um, that kind of brings back full circle to something you mentioned before about how you make more content than most people make in a week. Mm-hmm. So one thing I remember when, um, when Snapchat came out and then Instagram stories kind of took over and I, at that time I was kind of social media managing for our brand then we were running an e-commerce brand then we were making the products in-house and it was like so it's like ah I've got to run a business and also be present on social media every single day and I can't schedule it I'm going to lose my mind <laughs> so like I, I've got this like I think inert anxiety around like creating content on the fly how, how are you doing that like how are you as a, as a one-person band like uh, as you as you kind of um, mentioned it before, how are you managing that, and how are you creating the content and getting across all these different platforms without going completely insane? Oh, okay. So one thing I will say is we are expanding our content team within the next week. It actually starts tomorrow. So tomorrow, our first full time content creator, who I've spent a long time vetting and prepping for this because it's nerve wracking for me to hand over such a big piece. Now, and that's exactly it content creation and organic content, it all goes back to serving people deeply, super deeply. That is so important to me. And so when you realize the importance of serving people versus just trying to get a sale, it becomes a non-negotiable. I would never like, and I'm just trying to explain it, like explain it with uh, an analogy. I would never go to a family dinner and look to my kids to make me feel good. Does that make sense? I'd never be like, well, what do you guys bring to me? My kids would be like, what's wrong with you, mom? My job is to make sure that they're taken care of, right? And if they happen to, as a byproduct, a natural byproduct of me serving them as a mom, if they happen to also make me feel awesome, that's great. But I can't be searching for that end result in serving my kids. And the same thing is true with creating content. If I happen to get sales as a natural byproduct of it, Awesome. That's so great. But if I'm creating content specifically and only to generate sales, I've missed the entire heartbeat of the people that I'm here to impact with my life. And so it's like, a, I take it super seriously because I have seen firsthand how many people are like, I need help. Rachel, help, please. I just need your advice. And so when I take all those questions and I create content based on them. If I don't show up, and this sounds really drastic, but it's actually not. It's actually very much so based on truth, especially this past year. If I don't show up, what if there's one person who is going to give up on their dreams? Or what if there's someone who's like, I'm, I've had it. I can't do this anymore. And the number of people I've seen, especially this past year, say, I only hung in there because I knew that you were rooting for me, even from afar. That to me was like, this is a no-brainer. This is something that I miss. So I spend two to three hours a day intensely creating content. It's actually pretty efficient because that includes recording a podcast, writing an email daily, a YouTube video, multiple TikToks, Instagram reels, Instagram, uh, Instagram stories, and it goes on and on. LinkedIn, Facebook groups, all of that content, listicles, so on and so forth. And I'm a machine about it because it's that important. 
That's incredible. And I, I really love that, the, the mission that you're on there. You know, as you say, so, so many people in such a bad situation and at the same time, so much opportunity in the world, right? It's yeah. just, and I think a lot of people just don't really believe it exists as well, right? Like so many people are yeah. so skeptical of the fact that you can, because even that term, make money online, in and of itself comes with a lot, with a lot of baggage, right? People instantly think, ah, oh, well, it's a scam. Yeah. And therefore, you know, they never even get started. There's so many people I know in my network, you know, who, who my my kind of non-business network, who like they just want to do something, they want to get involved, but they think that it's they think that it's just the right idea, yeah. they have the right idea, and then suddenly it just pops, and then and then everything works. So, what would you say to people like that if they're, if they're currently like if you were to summar, summarize it in a sentence, people who maybe listen to this podcast that are or in a in a crappy situation that you know due to the last 12, um, 12, 12 months. Where could they begin? What's a realistic thing they could start doing today to start building a, a profitable business for themselves and the family? Oh my gosh. So the first thing that I do, and so this is really interesting because I'm going to share a story from behind the scenes. Um, I recently took on a different kind of client and that is my mom has this hobby business. And I say hobby business only because it's not paying any bills yet. And I won't share exactly what it is, but for all intents and purposes, like it might as well not be making any money. I love her so much, but it's almost starting from scratch. And so I got to map out her business and I was like, I need to know, are you okay with pivoting from everything you've been doing and everything that kind of isn't really working to what I would do starting a business from scratch? And she was like, yes, absolutely sign me up. And I was like, all right, let's go. It's go time. So it's kind of fun because by doing, by taking on my mom's business, I know that I can set my mom up for success for the next decade. So what's really cool or more, um, what's really cool was I was able to map out which platforms I feel are going to give her the most short-term benefit, but also the most long-term. And so we are doing, and I'll just go down the list and share these. We are going to do four ATMs and we're going to start running them organically only because ATMs take some time and testing to get them to the point where they can, you can run traffic to them and have the numbers make sense. Organically, they always work because it's just profit always. So we're going to set up four different ATMs one at a time. YouTube videos. I said, Hey mom, I love you. You're going to be creating like three to five YouTube videos a week. And she was like that many. And I was like, well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> so come on, let's go. Um, I'm going to get her on TikTok and Instagram reels. That's it. That's all where all of our focus is going to be. She may do a podcast at some point, but that's not the place where you're going to see the greatest return. So I want her to focus on those platforms. And I choose reels, TikTok and YouTube for several different reasons. YouTube, my belief is that YouTube is actually going to outlast Facebook. I believe that YouTube is rock solid, foundational. I mean, right now, Dave, if you were to Google how to edit a TikTok, actually, I'm going to do it right now while we're on this, how to edit a TikTok. I am number two on all of Google. Number two. That's so crazy. That means people are spending tons of time and effort to get all of these blog posts written and a YouTube video just comes on in there and beats it all. So the truth is, I just have this really strong gut feeling about YouTube, which is why we've actually gone from three to five videos a week to seven videos a week. We just started that this month uh, because we're building for the future. So there's the long-term, the searchable, the foundational content. Now, TikTok and Reels both have some really cool advantages. It's an instant boost. It's instant eyeballs. It's instant. Or some people are like, it didn't happen overnight. Well, okay, but it happened in a week. That's really fast. (laughs) 
So even if people are like, eh, the algorithms changed, I'm like, it's still better than Facebook pages. So the truth is, um, I love reels and I love TikTok for getting a quick injection of life into your business. Yeah. Yeah. But YouTube's got that longevity, right? It's going to be around mm -hmm. for years and people are going to keep searching those terms. And again, a huge thing, as you say, like, um, which a lot of people don't appreciate is that YouTube appears on Google search results. So when people are Googling for things, then you can come up with it, your relevance. It's huge. Yeah. So are you doing much um, advertising over on YouTube? Are you supporting your um, your endeavors, your organic endeavors with advertising? Totally organic still. Uh, a lot of people have wanted to run YouTube ads for us. But at the same time, I'm like, we're getting like 300 to 500,000 views per month on YouTube. I don't know that we need to turn it up yet, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. But we, I get this really funny thing where I'm like, we haven't even scratched the surface with all of the YouTube content we could or should or want to be creating i'd love to get to the point where we're pumping out five videos a day like on youtube i really really believe in it so no we're not doing anything on youtube yet but we do like i said we do have people we can tag team when we're ready for it but i know we haven't maximized organic still oh good that makes sense so one last question for you obviously you spoke of funnel hacking live which is kind of like the the, the mecca of, of internet marketing uh, it's in in some in some kind of senses what was that like for you how, how did that come to be and like what was the experience like Oh, so I actually spoke at Funnel Hacking Lab twice. So the first time was back in 2000, 2018. 2018, I spoke at Funnel Hacking Live and I was pregnant, super pregnant. I was nine months pregnant with my third kid. Um, I had joined Russell Brunson's inner circle and um, he asked me to speak over Voxer. And so I got the box and he's like, we want you to speak at Funnel Hacking Live. And I hadn't told me when I was pregnant yet. And I started counting and I was like, oh no. And I was so nervous to reveal that I was pregnant, but I did um, uh, on Facebook and Russell voxed me. He's like, congrats, but uh, I'm doing the math. How pregnant are you gonna be? How close is your due date to Funnel Hacking Live? And I said, don't you worry about that. Like." Don't ask me. I won't tell because no matter what happens, I will be there. He's like, but can't you like not fly when you're pregnant? And I was like, I will worry about my doctor. But he was like super supportive. And I said, so just don't ask and I won't tell and we'll be good. And so the first time I spoke nine months pregnant, my doctor wrote me a note for flying and everything was great. And Russell was super supportive of that. He's been always incredibly supportive, at least this has been my experience. Like he is super supportive of moms and women and getting to know him and his wife, Colette, like he is an incredible, just a really good man. And that's really rare in business to find. So that was the first one. And then the second time I spoke, so this is really funny. It was several weeks before funnel hacking live last year. And I, we'd had such a great year. I was asked to speak at traffic and conversion, uh, social media marketing world. So those are two of the other big ones from different parts of marketing. And I remember I was joking to my team. I was like, oh, it's so close. We almost had the big trifecta. It's almost a perfect year, but I didn't get asked to speak at Photo Hacking Live. We were joking about it because it was like, okay, you know, <laughs> And I kept being like, if only I were speaking at Funnel Hacking Live, if only, and that was like this big joke I had, but I think we like manifested it because suddenly I get a box several weeks before the event and Russell's like, I actually want you to be a surprise speaker. He's like, there's a scene in this, uh, this bit where I basically want to be like surfing through the channels and I pick your channel and it starts playing and then it glitches and then the screen opens up and it's two stories tall and you walk out of a cloud of smoke. 
And I was like, yes. <laughs> what you had me at uh, screen two <laughs> stories. So yes, let's do this. So it was awesome. It came together really well. Um, I just adore Russell Brunson, Todd Dickerson, their their families. They're great people. Yeah, that's a that's a cool as Alabama as well, right? It's um a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of really interesting people there. Definitely. That's great. Well, so Rachel, absolutely amazing of you to share all of wisdom with us. Um, you blow my mind on various points. It's really refreshing to hear a an alternative um perspective on Clubhouse for one, and then obviously on TikTok as well, which is you know you've you've completely shifted my perspective on that for sure. So uh, thanks so much for taking the the, the time out your schedule to do so. Um, where can people learn more about what you're doing and, and sign up for 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 more info? For sure. Easiest place is my website, rachelpeterson.com, all E's and a D in my last name. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Dave. Cheers. This has been the Viral by Design podcast with Dave Rothero. For more viral marketing secrets and to get detailed cliff notes on all episodes, visit viralbydesign.net.